Morning, Rob. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm okay. How are you? Pretty good. So um, this is a special show of the um, Lumped Up Universe. Yeah, it's a Rocker Mike and Rob presents what? Mike Baker, the guy <laughs> behind Rocker Mike. <laughs> and um, we go ahead, I pretty much want to talk a little bit about your history, um, how you got into rock and how you also, how you became a Rastafarian and all this other stuff. And, um, you know, how do we start, Mike? Where where do we start? How come you, um, what, what made you choose um, rock and roll? Were you always like a kid that liked rock and roll? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, it's 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 an interesting story. It's probably not different than a lot of people, but when I was a kid, uh, I, I always loved music from a very young age, like three, four years old, even before I knew what anything was. Um, I always loved playing my parents' records. My parents had stacks of forty fives, albums, stuff like that. My mom, uh, my mom was a little less musical than my dad, but she liked music too. My dad you know, did the whole Columbia house 20 records for a penny thing and all that. So there was always stuff coming into the house. And uh, then, you know, like most kids in our generation, our, our parents got divorced. All right. And I was kind of, I was the oldest. I had a younger sister that I wasn't that close with. And then I kind of was by myself a lot. And I, I just kind of music was an escape. Okay, so I used to listen to albums for hours at a time. And, it, you know, it, it was all different kinds of stuff. It could be anything from Beatles to the Rolling Stones to Elvis to uh, Johnny Cash. I remember we had a greatest hits of Johnny Cash in the house. Um, all that stuff from like the 60s that was popular in my mother and father's time into the 70s when I was a kid, you know, growing up. And... I used to, you know, there was eight tracks we had in the house. I used to listen to a lot of stuff. Um, and it was an escape. And then as I got older, the first band that I was really, really into was The Doors. All right. Okay. And uh, it was just something about the lyrics, something about Morrison's voice and everything. And it really kind of hit me. And... I started listening to the albums a lot. And, and then from there, it kind of branched out to other things. New Wave was big at the time. I was like a, a huge Blondie fan. Uh, the Cars I loved as a kid. Um, you know, and then slowly that would change. And I would get like, you know, I started listening to the radio. Uh, a lot of like late night shows like Dr. Demento. <laughs> I remember um, that. Remember Dr. Demento? Yeah. Man. Like, you know, WLIR 92.7 was an alternative radio station, and uh, they would play, you know, New Wave and Punk at night. They would play. Um, and I was starting to get interested in hardcore, which was in the early 80s, was big in New York and L.A. And, and you know, Are you talking like the metal bands? No, more like the, the second generation of punk. Okay. okay. Uh, stuff like you know, the Bad Brains and, and all the bands that used to play at, like, A7, which is now Niagara. Yeah. Um, I was starting to get into that when I was about 13, 14 years old um, at the at the uh, worry of my mother. <laughs> I wonder what the hell I was listening to. <laughs> um, <laughs> like any mother back in the days. What the hell is yeah, that? 
<laughs> yeah, what the hell is that? You know, and uh, I mean, then when I was old enough to kind of get out, I started seeing some of these bands. Um, I never got to see the Bad Brains. They kind of were like a little bit ahead of me, like a year or two at A7. I did see them in bigger clubs. But, uh, you but know. But did you uh, see one of the guys play not too long? Or was that from the band called Death? Which guy you saw in uh, A7 not too long ago? That was uh, that was Chip from Pure Hell. Pure Hell, all right. Uh, yeah, Pure Hell was the black punk band from the 70s here in New York. Um, and he has a new band now. And we, I went to check them out. I got to talk to him and everything afterwards. That was the last time I was in there. They do like every month or two, they do these like A7 reunion shows where they'll have like old bands and new bands and stuff. Um, I was really into like the Circle Jerks, Black Flag. Uh, you know, the Circle Jerks are going to have a reunion this year. Yeah, I know. I know. They've been around. And, uh, and Morrison uh, has been... Um, playing in a band called Off. Okay. And last year, he just played here too. But you know, my 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 roots were kind of in that. Um, but again, I was always like very interested in the history of of rock and roll. Um, I would I would study it. I would get books on it. I would I would read about it. I would watch TV shows about it. And uh, it, it, I was like a sponge. It just I sucked everything up. Um, but I'm like that. I'm like that with everything, Rob. You know, like I, I, you've never been to my place, but I have like an extensive amount of books, read them all. Uh, you know, I'm self-taught. I wasn't good in school. OK, I wasn't really like an A student all the time. I was kind of like a B student, you know, like some A's, some B's, some C's, some D's. I failed a few classes. You know, I just I wasn't like an honor roll student. OK. Cause I didn't, I didn't like fit in, you know, I was always kind of different and uh, that attracted me to punk that attracted me eventually to reggae uh, and, you know, a Rastafari life, you know? Yeah. That's, that's unique. Not too many people, you know, not too many, especially I don't meet too many white guys that are into that. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean that, that, that the fact that I'm white, you know, prevented me kind of for many years really delving into it because I didn't think I could. Uh, but, you know, in, in the true nature of the Rastafari life, it doesn't matter what you are. There's Japanese Rastas. Okay? It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not about... It's almost like Muslims. There's all kind of Muslims. Yeah. yeah. White, I mean, Chinese, it, black. They, yeah. they come in every, every color, uh, you know. Right. It's a, you know... It, Rastafari is not a uh, it's not a religion there's no real you know religions are man-made okay religions are not based all the time on what you know what the Lord wanted or what's in the Bible or you know they come up with their own rules for things the Catholic Church is a good example okay yeah, yeah they, they they've come up with all kinds of rules and regulations that really are not natural Okay, and and really are meant to just kind of control you. So I, I don't call Rastafari a, a religion. You know, it's technically, a it's, a way, it's a way of life. You want to say, technically, if you're Catholic, you're supposed to donate ten percent of your check. Yes, every Sunday yes. to it's church, supposed, which is like, to, what the hell did they come with that rule? That, when I was a kid, it was whatever you can give. 
Well, you know what? Because they're not getting what they always got. Yeah. You know, I remember I remember reading something years ago that like everybody gives a dollar at mass. Well, they've been doing that since like the forties. <laughs> so so a dollar it doesn't go far anymore in the Catholic Church, you know. Yeah, you gotta give a little bit more. Well well the the Mormon the Mormon religion is even more strict. Like, you know, you gotta give ten percent of your of your earnings. And if you don't you know, they'll, they'll question you, and that's something that's a turnoff to me. You that's know, fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. That's where you leave the religion. So, um, well, I would think, yeah. So, for being a Rastafarian, what is it that you have to do? Like, what rules do you have to follow? Like, how do you get into this? What rules? And you know, what do they have a god? What What the hell do they pray to? What's the What's at the end of the tunnel? What's the payoff for being a Rasta? It's it's not as different from, you know, other Christian religions that you would think. OK, uh, you know, we believe, you know, God, we refer to God as Jah, which is short for Jehovah, yeah. which is name of the Jewish God of the Old Testament. OK, so you pray into the same God. Yeah. OK. And and, you know, we believe in uh, w- w- one important thing about the Rastafari life is about being conscious of things. Okay. And when I say that, I mean like have knowledge. Don't just believe everything you're told. Okay. You know, there's the world, which is referred to as Babylon. Okay. Babylon is, is the sinful world that will trick you. Okay. This is the world that we have to live in every day. Okay. These are all, this is all the bullshit and all the, the, the lies and the, the, the conspiracies and all these things that we deal with every day. Okay. New York City's a great example of ancient Babylon. Okay. You got everything, you know, sex to lies <coughs> to cheating to murder to, you know, all the things that's bad in the world is referred to as Babylon. To me, I thought that okay. was Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Vegas is another good example. Sin City, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, 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 the thing is, is you know, Ra, you know, Rastafari's try to live a clean life, okay, in the, every definition of that word. Uh, but we're also true to ourselves. We know ourselves, and we educate ourselves. All right, and and Rasta's, you know, when I first became familiar with with the with the way of life was in the 80s okay uh i got into bob marley which is a typical kind of almost stereotypical way to get into it all right because bob marley is the the biggest proponent of of rastafari ever yeah okay uh you know his his music what he spoke of uh it's done more to push that spirituality than anything else so you know, but but in the eighties, I started getting into reggae, and I was seeing bands like Black Uru, Steel Pulse. Uh, uh, there was a band called the Itals. I saw a few times, and I was buying the records. And then when I got, uh, there was an apartment I rented on Tenth Street between First and Eighth when I was very young, and. Um, the super there was a Rasta. Yeah. Okay. And this was at a time in my life when I was really broke. I mean, like 
destitute, all right? And I was working two jobs, and it was hard to make ends meet even with that. Uh, I used to work at Canal Jeans. Remember Canal Jeans? Oh, yeah, Jeans? I remember that. On, on, um, yeah. That was down by Broadway, right? Broadway, near Canal, yeah, like Broom Street around yeah. there. And, uh, and I had uh, another job at night that I did, and, you know, it was, it was tough, you know, but I was having fun. I was young. I was, you know, having fun, but I, it was hard to make ends meet, and this super, uh, his name was Stuart. He used to talk to me. And he would help me out. Like, you know, he knew I didn't have a lot to eat. So he'd give me food to eat and give me a little weed to smoke. Okay. And hang out with him. And he would have parties and his other Rasta friends would be there. And sometimes he'd invite me. I'd come downstairs and I'd hang out a bit. And what I liked about that community without really even knowing a lot about it was everybody was very intelligent. Uh, You could have a conversation about anything. You know, these people were not stupid people. Uh, very informed, uh, interesting. Okay, uh, it was funny. They all had white girlfriends. <laughs> okay, and you know, it was it was something I I was I wasn't used to it, but it was I was attracted to it. And they asked me, "Would you like to be involved?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know if I can." You know, I I, I wasn't interested in getting into any kind of religion. Okay, and you know, at that point, I was just like, "Now, nah, fuck that," because I was raised Catholic. Yeah, and and. You know, that didn't exactly work out for me. All right. So I I just didn't want to deal with that. I had to get my life straightened out. I had to, you know, get my life started. Basically, I was young, but I was listening to the music. And then I never I never forgot this guy, uh, his generosity, you know, and I think he's still there because I could have sworn I seen him a few months ago on that block. He's an old, old guy now. But anyway, um you know, and years went by and I got away from the music and got away from thinking about Rasta. OK, I mean, anytime I heard about it, I, I understood, you know, what it was. And then many years later, like around 2015, I got a book about reggae music and I read it and it was a very good book about all these bands and uh also i had read john lyden from the sex pistols yeah. uh, book called there is an energy and and he talked about how after the pistols he went to jamaica and he signed a lot of bands for virgin records they were reggae bands and reading those two books rekindled my memory basically about reggae music how great it was and Started listening to it again. They were, you know, the book was talking about all these bands. And I'm like, I saw these guys. I got a couple of their albums, you know. And I, you know, I got tons of albums, CDs. And I started listening to everything again. And then, for some reason, I started really listening. And real reggae music is very spiritual. It's, it's, it's almost like gospel music, okay? And it's very rebellious. Oh, yeah, very rebellious. And, yeah, and... I started listening to the music and the words a lot more closely than I ever had. And it hit me. It was like an epiphany, like, wow. Okay. And now I said, well, who was Ras Tafari? Okay. Well, Ras Tafari was, he he became in 1930, the emperor of, the 225th emperor of Ethiopia, Haile Selassie, yeah. the first. 
Okay. Rastafari was his name before he became Halle Selassie. And I started really reading about him and delving into what the connection was within that religion, for lack of a better word. Okay. And I got it. You know, I got it. And it, it, you know, biblically it's there. There's, there's, there's verses in the Bible that point to Halle Selassie as the second coming of Christ. Christ returned in his kingly character. To, to be a Rastafari, Rob, you have to unlearn what you've been learned, what you've been taught. Okay. In the West, we all learn that, you know, whether you're Catholic or Protestant, it's almost the same thing. You know, Jesus died on the cross and uh, one day he's going to yeah. come back. Right. Okay. Well, what if he did? Okay. Okay, so that kind of that spin on it and and it, it, it changes things because now it means you're living in the end times. You're living in the revelation yeah. times. And Rastas believe that. Okay, Rastas believe we are living in the end times. Nobody knows when the world yeah. will end. Okay. But you know, the Messiah did return within Halle Selassie the first. Now you know, that may sound crazy to to the average person, but again, I told you, you have to kind of unlearn what you've been taught. You know. Let me ask you, since a lot of people has has this guy performed any miracle? What makes him the second coming of the Messiah? Well, because of the the biblical prophecies, like uh, in Revelation, there's there's a particular chapter. Uh, hold on. Okay, it says like Revelations five five says, and one of the elders said to me, "Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals." Okay, now Halle Selassie, just to understand his history for a second, the two hundred twenty fifth emperor of Ethiopia. Ethiopia, the, all those emperors are in line from the ancient union of Solomon and Sheba. Okay. And Solomon is the son of David. Yeah. So that's, that's the root of David. Yeah. One of his sons went back with Sheba. Cause right. He's the one. He... Yeah. Sheba, Sheba was, Sheba was, Sheba, you know, slept with Solomon and, and, had a child called yeah. Menelik and they went back to Ethiopia and converted the people of Ethiopia, which they were kind of, I believe pagans or sun worshipers and into Judaism. Okay. And then eventually as time went on, Ethiopia would convert from Judaism to Christianity through the, the apostle Philip, Okay, in in Acts in the in the New Testament, Philip one day is 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 walking down the street, and he meets an Ethiopian uh, assistant to the queen of Ethiopia. Okay, and he's reading the book of Isaiah from the Old Testament, and he tells him about Christ, and he believes, and then Christ, you know, he believes he believes what he what Philip tells him, and then goes back to Ethiopia and ends up converting wow. the country to Christianity. It's the only it's the only country on the face of the earth to ever convert like wow. that. Wow. 
And you know what? It's funny. They do have tied to like the Holy Grail, right? The covenant. The, the Ark. Oh, the Ark. Yeah. The Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. The Ark of, yeah, the, you know, the Ark of the Covenant. We did, you know, we did that conspiracy yeah. show on it. Uh, you know, that's it's important to the history of Ethiopia. And, you know, as Rastafari's have a, you know, have a close relationship with Ethiopia, very close. That's because Haile Selassie was Ethiopian. All right. Now, we believe that Haile Selassie is the second coming of Christ. So naturally, we're going to be associated very closely with Ethiopia, Ethiopian stories, uh, legends and stuff like that. And, you know, there's a book in, in Ethiopia called the Kebra Nagast. And that's basically the story of how Solomon and Sheba met, conceived a child. The child grew up, went back to meet his father and ended up leaving with the ark and bringing it back to Ethiopia. Where and the thing is, today. people thought that ark was stored, but I think Solomon knew that he, his son took the ark, right? According to the Kebra Nagast, he, when he realized his son took the ark, he chased him. But he could never catch up to him because there were angels helping yeah. Menelik. And, you know, he was traveling too fast. And Solomon realized this and said, well, I guess it's all part of God's plan. And he turned around and yep. went back. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the Ethiopian Coptic Church, which a lot of Rastafari's align themselves with in some ways. Uh, some of them actually do end up converting full to the Ethiopian Coptic Church. Uh, uh, some say that Bob Marley did this at the very end of his life. Uh, I kind of think it's up in the air. You know, there is some people that say it happened. I think his wife, Rita, said it did. So I guess it's possible. But um, he did get a half Ethiopian, half Rastafari kind of funeral wow. when he died. So, yeah. That's amazing. It is. It is. Uh, you know, one and again, you know, one thing, too, is, is as a Rasta, we believe that, you know, your body is your temple. OK, so we try to eat right. Uh, most of us are vegetarian or even vegan. Um, there's no real you know, you ask me what you have to what you have to be, what you have to do. I would say the most important thing is you have to realize that. Haile Selassie the first uh, is the second coming of, of Christ. Christ returned in his kingly character as predicted in the Bible. Uh, if you don't believe that, and you know, then you're not a Rasta, as far as I'm concerned. You know, you, I don't know what you are, but you got, you know, you 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 you're believing something. You have to believe in something that you you it's it's named after. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Could, could the Jewish you know, people got a weird messiah that re, that rabbi that they sometimes in the car that they show driving around they they think that guy's the messiah too. Well, that's the 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 Hasidic people and you know the Orthodox Hasidic people. They are a a radical kind of sect of of Judaism. Now you know Judaism is is <coughs> up for grabs too. Okay, because. There's been so many changes within that religion over the centuries. It's hard to pinpoint who the exact Jews are anymore. You know, the Jews that are in Israel, they're Azarkanadi yeah. Jews. Okay. Which means that they're really European yeah. converts. 
when when they're not part of the the Jewish race that was earlier. Okay, because in in 70 AD, the Romans burned down Jerusalem. They sacked it. Okay, and you know, in a war, and all the Jews were scattered all over the world. It wasn't until 1948, 49, when Israel was formed, that they had a homeland again. But it was all those centuries yeah. that they didn't. So they scattered all over the place, going into Europe, going into Russia, okay, uh, and scattering all over and converting. You know, a lot of people really so, believe that Hitler might have killed every single actually real Jew that was left. Well, you know, I, 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 in my readings, okay, (coughs) he killed, he killed a lot of people. Uh, He killed a lot of Jews, obviously 6 million, they say. Um, Did he kill everyone? No, because then he got out. Okay. But, but, you know, he decimated it. Okay. But I mean, for the like original, like blood, he, he probably killed a lot of generation, really, like that, that was handed down to down that they were just all over the place. Well, I, that, that would be up for debate, Rob. I'll tell you why. You know, you would, you would think that once they scattered in AD 70, then. You know where did it where did it go where where the where the racial purity yeah, go? Yeah, it, it's probably all mixed. Okay. It's all mixed. It's not there anymore. Now there were some, I'm sure, that stayed behind and mixed with other Semitic people that probably ended up being yeah. Muslims later on. Well, some of them okay. even became Catholic. And, and, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, Jews Jews converted yeah. to Christianity, okay, and they did stay behind and. You know, uh, in that area. But, uh, you know, you can make an argument that, and I believe this, that, you know, the black, the, the, the people of Ethiopia, the black Jews of East Ethiopia, because there are black Jews. They're yeah, they're the ones that actually watch over okay. the ark. They watch over the ark. Uh, well, the Ethiopian Coptic Church is responsible yeah. for that, too. All right. Uh, the Falasha Jews kind of were separate from everybody else in Ethiopia. And over the years, they've been uh, brought to Israel. Israel's brought over groups of them to live in Israel. And they were accepted somewhat as original Jews. Their traditions go back to Solomon's wow. time. Okay. Which is different than the traditions of yeah. Jesus's time. Okay, they used to do animal sacrifice. They didn't do that in Jesus's time. Okay, Uh, they had given up that. All right. And so when you when they kind of like in the in the 20th century, Ethiopia was still a very mysterious place in the early 20th century. But what happened was people became more aware of what was going on there as time went on through the through the 20th century. Uh, because of World War II, Italy had attacked Ethiopia. People were more aware of what was going on in that country. There was these Falasha Jews that the Ethiopians all knew about, didn't really have much to do with them, just let them be. And they were like doing the traditions of the, of the, of the early Jews. They were still doing animal sacrifices. Yeah. You know, like in voodoo but, magic, they still do animal sacrifice. 
Yeah. Well, you know, killing something that's living was always a strong uh, method to talk to your God, right? Or make a, you know, make an appeal to your God. You kill yeah. a land. And the pagans weren't even pushing them. Like, pagans even went far. They would sacrifice a virgin so the crops it would rain and shit like that. Yeah, that's that's totally different. That's a whole different thing. So think about how fucked up this shit is. Got to sacrifice something living. Yeah, yeah, right. Not my thing. <laughs> so what do they, um, like for uh, Rasta, what do they give up to sacrifice? Like if they want something or is there anything like that in Rastafarianism? Well, you know, the, the lifestyle itself, is a sacrifice. Uh, you 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 know you try to uh, live a clean life. You know it's not always easy to do that. Okay. Um, one thing I do, I, the way I look at it, and 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 again, there's no real set of rules within Rastafari. So everybody's a little different, and there's different there's different what are called mansions. Okay, you have the twelve tribes. Okay which is a sect that's probably the, the most liberal, most accepting of yeah. white people or other, other races, okay? Uh, and then you have the Nyabingi, which are very conservative, kind of the original yeah. Rastas. Uh, they're the ones that bang okay. the drums a lot, live up in, you know, live up in the hills of Jamaica uh, by themselves. And, you know, they're very strict... Uh, they they kind of like or, you know, the men do everything. The women cook, you know, very simple lives. Uh, then you have the Bobushantis, which are very different. They're the ones that walk around in white with the turbans on their mm-hmm. heads, kind of. OK, and they kind of keep to themselves in communes. Um, they also believe in another divine character named Charles Edwards, that uh, is basically on equal footing as Halle Selassie. I don't subscribe to that, but they do, and I don't really have a problem with it. In fact, one of the Rastafari's that I listen to a lot on YouTube, a guy named Priest Isaac, okay. he's Shanti. But, yeah. Um, they have a whole thing in Jamaica where, you know, people get crowned in a ritual ceremony to become part of that that religion okay the bobo shante religion and um then uh there's even like one or two others that have kind of popped up in recent times with slightly different beliefs um you gotta understand like you know rastafari started out as an an afro centric religion it still is okay uh it's you know mostly black uh but it came out of uh in Jamaica, it came out of the colonial, anti-colonial struggle, okay? Because Jamaica was under the control of the British and, you know, blacks were slaves up until 1830 or so. And, uh, you know, and then after that, they were second-class citizens. Now, one person that you have to understand is very important to Rastafari people is okay. Marcus Garvey. All right. I have heard Marcus of him. Garvey was. All right. He was a black leader in the early part of the 20th century, right after World War One. Uh, 
he was a Jamaican guy born in the St. Anne province of Jamaica. And he was a preacher in a sense, great speaker. And he preached about black civil rights, but in the sense of um, education was a big thing. Yeah, you got to educate because what was the first okay. thing never, never teach the slaves how to read or write was the big thing back in the, like in those, in the early days, they didn't right. want the slaves to be educated right. at all. Well, yeah. knowledge is power. Okay. So you couldn't have people gaining power through knowledge. They'd realize ways out of it. They yeah. could rise up. Okay. So yeah, I mean the, the slave owners did all and that. And there were slave stuff. owners that if they knew um, the fucking the the guy was too educated, they would just kill them. Yeah. Well, yeah. they didn't let you read. Okay. If you and, and they would teach you the Bible, but in, in yeah. just speak it to you. You know, basically, they wouldn't let you get smart. But Marcus Garvey taught that education is very important, and he preached something called repatriation. Okay. And um, repatriation was the idea that blacks should go back to Africa. Okay. Uh, And that it's their homeland. And it was an idea that, you know, many did believe. And he got to a point with his uh, United Negro um, Improvement Association, UNIA. uh, He actually bought some steamships. And, you know, took people back to some land that he had gotten in Liberia, okay. in Africa. And there were some blacks in that time, late, you know, 1919, 1920, that did go there, okay, back to Africa. And, you know, if you listen and read his speeches, I have a book or two that has all the speeches in it. Uh, and you can listen on YouTube uh he was a great speaker. Uh, he's, you can hear his voice, actually. And uh, he preached about, you know, uh, that blacks need to. Well, one thing he did was he acted almost as a prophet. Many people believe that he was kind of like a John. Oh, the Baptist. yeah. Okay, like John the Baptist preached the, the coming yeah. of Jesus. Right. OK, so. Marcus Garvey preached the coming of Halle Selassie because he made a speech on more than one occasion where he talked about, look to Ethiopia. When a king is crowned, it'll be the savior kind of thing. And the, he, you know, that was in the early 1920s. And in 1930, Halle Selassie was wow. crowned. Now, yeah. And then in Revelations, you know, there's the talk of, you know, the second coming will be called the Lord of Lord, King of Kings. OK. And Lords of Lords. And that's that was Halle Selassie's wow. title. OK. Uh, another title he had was Elect of God. OK. In, in his long title. That was one one of the one of the phrases. And in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the elect of God is used a few times. It's also used many times in the book of Enoch, which we've yeah. talked about a few times. Uh, yeah, that's the one with all the 14 angels and the gods and all kinds of yeah. stuff and giants. Right. right, right, right. And, you know, Enoch referred to that title, the yeah. elect of let, God. Let me oh, ask you a question. Bob yeah. Marty got to see him, right? And he felt like, oh, his wife? 
No, no. Uh, Rita, Rita yeah, got to see when it. We, we talked about it for some reason. She said she was overwhelmed and she saw something. Yes. Yes. Well, we're coming up. We're coming up to the anniversary of that on Tuesday, um, April 21st. Uh, 421, okay, is the anniversary of Halle Selassie coming to Jamaica in 1966. And, you know, every person that was there and, you know, every Rastafarian in in Jamaica was there at the airport to greet him, okay? And, you know, Rita tells the story, and many people have a similar story where, you know, people felt that he was looking at every one of them, you know, when he was doing going through the motorcade. Every person, the thousands and thousands of people all felt like this was a this was a God. This was a person big wow. enough. And Rita, Rita says that she looked at his hands and she even saw the stigmata, which is yeah. the holes in the hands. OK, from Christ. So. Um, excuse me. So, so, you know, there was, everybody that was there had a spiritual experience and, and many of these people ended up being reggae artists, um, you know, Bunny Whaler or Peter Tosh or, uh, uh, Joseph Hill from culture, a bunch of other guys all were there and they, 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 they experienced it and they would sing about it in their music. Yeah. So let me ask you, Skyfe, that actually came from reggae, right? Ska came first. Okay. Ska was a, a Jamaican music that was popular. But that, the, that, that is from Jamaica, places. right? That does have Jamaica root. That was never yeah. really here, you know? No, it was never here. It started in Jamaica. How come later on, so many, there's so many bands like that, and they're like a bunch of white guys? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's, it, it appealed to all different Like the Mighty Mighty Bostonia, they pretty uh, much, that's what they are. The Mighty Mighty Bostons, yeah. I mean, they, they, they're, they're like a ska band. Um, it, you know, even during Marley's time, when he would yeah. play the United States, he would play in front of, you know, 90% white audiences. The black, black people in the, in the 70s, most of them did not catch on to the reggae stuff they did later some some did some were, were, were rastafarians right away okay but you know the majority of people listening to reggae to go see bob marley most people there it was mostly white crowds college crowds stuff like that mike let me answer another what's the deal with the dreads ah all right i'm glad you asked me that okay uh, there's actually a, a biblical quote that uh, explains it. And I'll, I'll read it to you in a second here. Because uh, there's even a way that wash okay. them. You're not supposed it, to cut them. It's very weird. Yeah. yeah. It, there's in Leviticus 21 verse 5 in the Old Testament it says, they shall not make bald patches on their heads, nor shave off the edges of their beards, nor make any cuts on their body. Okay. Um, also, it says in Numbers 6, chapter, verse 1 through 27, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, 
when either a man or a woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite, to separate himself to the Lord. He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar made from wine or strong drink and shall not drink any juice of grapes or eat grapes, fresh or dried. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine, not even the seeds of the skins. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall touch his head until the time is completed for which he separates himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. He shall let the locks of his hair, let the locks of hair of his head grow long. Okay. Now, Rastas are kind of like the modern day Nazarites. All right. You know, you kind of take a vow to separate yourself from the rest of the world. Now, growing locks, uh, it's not easy to do, okay? Uh, you know, uh, black people, their, their hair is much more suited to do it, okay? Uh, me, I grew my locks. It's a little bit harder to do. Um, but I don't have, you know, me, I, it, there's different ways to do it. People, people sometimes go to a salon yeah. and get it done. I kind of look at that as like the easy way out. Okay, you could if you do it yourself, they look messier, they look sloppier. You're kind of like separating yourself even more because people think it's like dirty and filthy. It's not. Yeah, there's a lot of them that watch you, but it's a certain way you got to watch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, once your hair locks, it's it's tight. You could run shampoo through it. I use a special like a mild type of shampoo that's made for locks okay it's not a harsh uh you know chemical kind of thing going through my head but it cleans them and i might do it like twice a month i'll wash them okay and uh you just let them air dry and the 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 you know you you start drying with a towel but you let you let them air dry and then what happens is as they dry they even tighten more and that's what you want okay so the idea of the locks, uh, it, like I said, is to separate yourself from everybody else, and that's you know that's what you're doing. You, you, you're making a you're making a a statement, okay? Now, if you notice in that in that passage I read, about yeah, but let's talk about not drinking wine. Yeah, yeah. Now that passage is about not drinking wine. It also says or strong drink. Now, some some Rastafari's take it to a point where you're not supposed to yeah. drink at all. OK. Uh, but what do Rastas do? They, yeah. they smoke a lot of weed, right? You know, not all of them. OK, that's another thing that's like a myth. OK, there's the myth that all Rastas do is smoke weed. Uh, I know Rastas that don't smoke. OK, me, I smoke it on occasion. Okay, you know, not every day. I smoke it, okay. I eat it uh, almost every day. Yeah. Yeah, you probably <laughs> yeah. do it more than me. Okay. And 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 yeah, and and it's to me it's within the Rastafari lifestyle when you get high, you kind of like supposed to treat it as a holy thing. It's almost like taking communion, okay? You're not going to just eat a communion wafer. Okay. You're going to you're going to go up to the and, and take communion as a as a reverence. OK, so you treat weed the same way. They, they, there's there's biblical passages that point to 
you know, herbs and weeds and stuff like that. And people believe that that's cannabis they're talking about. And, you know, there is some evidence of that. Okay. It's kind of a gray area, but uh, there are medicinal aspects of, of cannabis. We know that. Okay. Uh, it's good for certain things. They give it to cancer patients. Um, but we treat it. If you, if you're in the right frame of mind, you know, you, you treat it as, a way to reflect on yourself. You get high, uh, you smoke the weed, or you and you know you can make tea out of it. But you know, there's certain level of high. There's certain level of high that you almost become like you think you're one with everything. Yeah, well, I think that's the idea. Okay, I think that's you know you, you can reach that point and you're at peace. Yeah, you you can really get to now, that point that you're at peace and everything is mellow, everything's relaxed and everything becomes like yeah. one flow. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, it's all about love. God is love, love is God. You know, that's we, we want to reach that point as people. We don't want to, you know, one thing about Rastafari is we 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 project positivity as much as possible. Okay? But also we project the truth. All right. So when we're talking, Rastas don't lie. You shouldn't lie. Okay. Because when you lie, you kill a part of the world somewhere. All right. That's an old expression. And, and, you know, sometimes when you tell the truth, you might upset people. Okay. You may say shit that nobody wants to hear, but you know, Jesus Christ said the truth will set you free. All right. So that's, you know, important. All right. Not to, not to, you know, like that's, that's a big part of what I do with the, with the conspiracy show with you is we're talking about stuff. Now, some of the stuff we talk is yeah, crazy. Of course. Shit, okay. But I also try to, I also try to bring a level of truth, especially when we talk about the way of the world and politics and what's really going on and things like that. You know, I feel I'm telling the truth. I try to base what I, what I speak up speak of on fact and i get shit on for it okay people say oh you know how could you say that well because it's true sorry if you don't like it you know and a big part of the rastafari lifestyle is is we do speak the truth and we do search for the truth we're always looking we're always searching we're always learning it is no you know uh uh his majesty said one time and you know there's books of his speeches and quotes and you can read all that stuff online too uh that uh you know if a man i'm gonna paraphrase if a man doesn't you know use his knowledge to teach people yeah what's the point basically okay and you know he says it much more eloquently but you know that's true uh, and if you have all this knowledge uh but you don't preach it. You don't let people know the truth. You, you're just, it's a waste. It's a total waste. It is a waste, if, you know. And, um, because, you know, there's so many people that have knowledge, but they want to keep it to themselves because they think, oh, if I teach all these people, then, you know what, they might be ahead of me or something. Because I think that's the biggest fear. That's yeah. why a lot of people don't like to teach people. It's almost like work. Why don't you want to teach the new guy everything? Yeah. Oh, because this guy might be my replacement. Yeah, he might take my you know? job. Yeah, 
And that's that's a mentality I've come across many times. Uh, people like that, old timers on a job or something, don't want to show you things. But you know that that again, that's you go out, yeah, and you learn for yourself. You know, and and the Babylon system, which is what we live in, okay, uh, the government, okay. Uh, remember, you, you know. Like when it comes to education in this country, we nah. don't learn things right. We don't, not, they don't teach children the right things. Okay. Uh, you have to go out and, and, and learn for yourself. Okay. You, you, you can't just be a sheep. And that's why, you know, being a Rastafari, you're a rebel. It's rebel music. It started out as, as being, uh, the oppressed black man, okay, talking about his oppressor and how he's going to get out of it and how he's going to be redeemed, okay? But the music is deeper than that. The words are deeper than that, that it's really about well, everybody. Mom, if you listen to Bob Marley, okay. a lot of that stuff is what you're talking about. And to the point that he was yeah. liberated yeah. and all this other stuff, you get it's a journey in his song from the first song all the way to the last song. Yeah. It's like, Exactly. It's a spirit. It's a spiritual journey that really doesn't yep. end until you die. And, you know, you just hope that you can either you did the right things in your life that you'll pass on and and go to what's called Zion or heaven. OK, uh, no, that's right. What's that's, a Zion, the, the planet on um, the Matrix? <laughs> <laughs> I think they went to Zion, man, remember. in the Matrix. They might have called it that. I, I, yeah, I, I and in Zion, that's where you saw the truth, you know, and they threw like a the fucking the weird thing. disco party. It was fucking weird, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not the same it, Zion. It sounded good to me. <laughs> hey, what? Dancing around and getting high. What's wrong with that, damn it? No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Well, you know, one one thing too is I gotta I gotta say quick is, uh, I think a lot of people get into the Rasta lifestyle because of getting high, and I think that there's a lot of what we, you know, Rastas like to la like to make fun and they'll say like a, an imposter Rasta, okay, where where it's like a person that does the look walks around talking with a Jamaican you know that was LL Cool J called like okay. the imposter roster <laughs> yeah did, did he call him that yeah in one of his in one of his songs he I shitted a white cliff he say um he say cannabis you're running around with that um with that Bob Marty imposter <laughs> he was talking about white cliff <laughs> yeah 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 I kind of I kind of would agree with him I think a little bit but but, uh, you know, a lot of people get into it strictly because they think it's a religion that allows you to get high. All right. And it really it's not that. OK, it's it's you know, you could smoke weed if you want to. You don't have to. OK, if you if you want to and it gets you to a point where you can understand the Bible better, because some people do meditate with the Bible when they are getting high. OK, some people even but there's there's a kind of a new movement within rosters not to smoke weed okay and then there's some that are like don't smoke it anymore eat it 
I'm in okay. a, I'm because like in when a you smoke it, when you eat it, you get much more higher than you, when you smoke it. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. One thing I like, um, I like the teas. Okay. And I'm not good at making it, but I know people that are, and you know, when I can get my hands on some, I like it. Uh, there's a way to draw the, the THC, I guess, and the can out of the, the oil out of the leaves. Okay, and you can make like a tea out of it. Oh and man, that gets you fucked up. That I can see you, that, that getting get me super high. high. I get and, high and, just from eating gummies, man, and I'm like high for four days. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, dude, read your Bible. Terrifying. Getting that, that fucking high and then start reading the Bible. Holy shit! You might you might understand well, the thing. <laughs> well, that's that's what we that's what we're trying to do. You know, uh, and then, you know, like I said, there's 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 a movement about not getting high at all. They think that it, you know, if you're doing it just to get high and for a recreational kind of thing that defeats the purpose. OK, it, it, you know, and again, there's no rules. So it's not like we're saying you got to do this. You got to do that. I get high once in a while so I can see how the Chinese person see the world. <laughs> <laughs> You're too much, man. You should you look at my eyes much. after that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. And I've seen you like that. <laughs> oh my you god. Yeah, we, like we have too. we have been like that many times. We have been like that during the show sometimes on on, on YouTube. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Now uh I'm actually I actually made a decision this week that I'm gonna pretty much stop drinking. Uh, concentrate more just on the on the cannabis, uh, and that's for uh, you know doctors all yeah. these kinds of things. You know what I mean? And uh, I'll have a beer every once in a while, but I'm not gonna be pounding liquor and stuff like I was. Yeah, after man. a while, that shit you fucks know? you up, man. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I think I, I enjoy I enjoy doing the edibles and stuff more than I have in the past. I, I do enjoy them now. And it's just, it's just better, you know, and, and the alcohol, you know, it's just another thing I'll give up for John. Okay. I gave up, I gave up eating meat, pork and chicken. Okay. Uh, for John. Okay. No other reason. All right. I mean, you know, I love meat. I was a meat eater like crazy. I was hey. you know, giving my meatballs on Sunday I can tell you, I'm not giving up a good stick for nothing, man. Only once the doctor told me I can't have steak, then that's where I'll give it up. Well, hey, that's okay, man. And I, I'm not the kind of person that, you know, are going to. But you know what? I don't have steak like every day either. I might have a good steak like once, like every two weeks. You know? No. Yeah, you can't eat it every day. You know what I do, I, and, I, and, and I gotta say, I'm I'm hard by this. I probably have a burger a day once in a while, and that's not good. But it's a burger, yeah. and I just have the burger, no fries, just a burger, and I and I limit it to what I have on the burger. Sometimes I just a burger with a fry onions, or it's just a burger, you know. Well, the the, the problem with burgers isn't yeah, always the, bread. the meat; it's the bread. You know, like. When I was eating meat before I, I switched to vegetarianism, um, I would sometimes not even eat the bun. I would just take the bun off 
and eat everything with you, you know, but because protein doesn't let you put on weight. It's the bread that. Yeah, the bread. The French. <laughs> the French. Fries. Yeah. Sometimes I don't eat fries. Like, you know what? I, I pretty much control it. When I, and you know what the problem is? A lot of time, I just want like, like, I don't want like a bunch of fries. I just like one or two, three fries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, one thing I've learned is, is, uh, there's a million ways to make vegetables taste yeah. good now. Okay. And, uh, I have several cookbooks that I draw from and I make, uh, different kinds of meals with a lot of different vegetables, different seasoning. I use a lot of turmeric, uh, stuff like that. Um, I eat a lot of beans. I eat a lot of cabbage, um, all that stuff you could, you know, it, it's good for you. And when I went that way as a vegetarian, when I became Rastafari, I noticed in about a month or two how much better I felt, how much I did lose some weight, but it wasn't that so much as my mind was clearer. Really, if you've ever, it, you know, within meat, there's a lot of toxins that stay in your body. It's very hard to digest meat. Uh, it's okay once in a while, but if you're a big meat eater, that stuff stays in your body, okay, and you don't digest it, and it just kind of builds up toxins. And I think that those toxins affect you. I think they affect your mind. I think they affect your thinking. I think, I think I, bacon I does that, that and, to me. And, well, anything. Any, you, you know your body. It might be bacon for you, okay? It might be meat for somebody else. But I think that... Uh, when you take that out, you'll you'll if you ever decided to go that way, you would see a difference. Not too long. Damn. Yeah. I have that's what yeah. a lot of people say. Once you take out the meat and stuff, I always try to go like on a uh, vegetable diet for uh, at least a once a once a week a month, just to just clean out my system, yeah. like all the toxins and shit. And I'll just eat like a bunch yeah. of fucking vegetable, and I'll eat salmon for that week. Yeah, well, salmon is very good. Try to yeah, get that's, wild. Yeah, I only eat wild salmon because, you know, that's the yeah. way you're supposed to eat salmon. It's supposed to be wild. Right. Yeah. Right. Not farm-raised, right. Because farm-raised, you don't know what the hell well, they put in it. Yeah. Well, Rob, I want to thank you, man, for, you know, doing this. Yeah, nah, man. man. Thank you for all uh, the information, man. I got to figure out. I'm, I'm going to write this up for um, the podcast to let people have to know. Um, if you, if, uh, you know what I want you to do? Can you send me like a, write like an intro for this? So I can just send it to me and I'll copy and paste it sure. just so people know what we talked about. Because you put out a lot of fascinating okay. thing and I want to get it right. I want to put a good description because I'm also going to put like a bunch of, uh, probably like a bunch of rosters and stuff for the YouTube. I'm going to look up rosters and put a bunch of All right. So call me. Call All me right. after the show. I will. Uh, but give me a few minutes, because I got to let the um, thing download and, uh, you know, process. That takes about five minutes, and then I'll right. call you. But, Mike, uh, definitely a great okay. show, man. A lot of information, a lot of things about Rasta Fred. I think we got to do uh, do another show about a little bit more of the history and more books and stuff. Anytime. Because this is pretty Anytime. much, that's, uh, this is like opening uh, chapter one of a 12-book saga. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. And it's better than Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so remember, Mike, don't get drunk. Get lumped up, my brother. Get See you soon. Up.